Hello everyone and welcome to the Sario Dev Show, Engineering IRL, where I take you through engineering concepts and mindsets and uh, show you how to apply those to real life. So in today's episode, we're going to be going through um, how do I use drawings to problem solve. Okay, how do I use drawings to problem solve in this podcast, in this series I've talked a lot about um, ways to problem solve um, and so today is a little bit more on the actual tools and you know a, wor- a picture speaks a thousand words so how do we use drawings to help us get to root causes and, and things like this so just before we get into the episode um, let's do a thought experiment okay thought experiment is you are a Planky McPlankton, your name is Planky, Planky McPlankton, and you're a plankton on the bottom of the ocean. And in your world, you can breathe water, water's your air, and you're confined to the floor. You can jump kind of, and something's keeping you down. That's your world. And over time, out of nowhere, some, some creatures, some other creatures called fish, start swimming around they're flying to you from your perspective they are flying like wow how do they achieve that that's amazing these are just creatures like what we have we have birds and eagles and stuff like that but when the creatures get bigger in scale from fish to sharks and then you see these massive whales like these are massive just beings flying freely so easily how how can they do this Okay, you're Plankton McPlankton at the bottom and all your fellow Planktons, like these beings are gods. They fly and they're so massive and they eat everyone, like we must respect them. Okay, cool. But you, Mr. Plankton McPlankton, decide, you know, I, I've got to get among them. I've got to fly. And you create some propeller, you make some, you, you invent technology, you get a road you somehow get an engine that rotates and you can propel yourself to fly amongst the birds and the gods the fish and the gods awesome so now you're flying around you live a lifestyle of flying around everywhere you're happy but you decide you think you know i want to get higher like what are the, what's the limits like i can't go i can only fly so high i can only swim so high i know there's a you know, if you kept going up, where would I go? Where's the surface? Where's the limits? Where's the ending? So Planky goes, I need a lot more force to get up there. And I also need a way to breathe when I get up there. So it makes a little uh, capsule and somehow creates um, enough. Let's go with uh, yeah, just pressure. Uses prope- pressure as a propellant. You know, just imagine like a, a water balloon, like you fill it up and it just you know all the pressure that builds up pushes straight out that's how he propels and you imagine this tiny little capsule pops up to the surface where the air is and like little bits of water trickle out like fizzles out from the water breaches the surface and then floats on the surface amazing in the capsule is a little bit of water for Planky McPlankton's um, astronauts to breathe <laughs> and what an achievement what an achievement 
and all of a sudden with the new concepts of what they see outside like a whole wave of new technology a whole way of new wave of thinking new concepts are just brought in that just never existed brand new concepts never heard of before never seen before and what is this air like we can't breathe out there you will die and that's enough that's crazy enough as it is okay we're not about to blow Planky McPlankton's head off until next minute he sees a massive ship what is this floating across there's other spaceships airships what is this those are boats and they have other beings on them and they can just breathe what don't you need water to breathe all these questions flood in all these question marks then he sees one of these humans jump in the water has his own little propeller system and he's flying around then he goes back to his world and he's floating around in whatever this air thingy is and then overhead in their world in the air world something else is flying in a whole nother way like what what is happening what is happening okay that's us that's us humans okay going from air in our world to space what is happening but sure we can see out into the stars sure they can see in the ocean out to the to the surface they can see shapes they can see this pattern of this large shape floating across at the same time every other day turns out that's just a, a shipping manufacturer's route for their boats can get crazy but except we we are like Planky McPlankton except at the bottom like the bottom of the ocean like where there no where there is no light you go deep deep no light we're at the level where Planky McPlankton has, has not even seen fish like the crazy planktons of his uh, of his community they've seen a fish once and were abducted by fish sure right enough thinking cool alright with that being said let's move to <laughs> some detail now that I've painted that picture let's use a drawing how do we use a drawing and how do we use it to problem solve so firstly I want to talk about that with your drawings when you're coming up to conceptual drawings okay things that don't need scale you need a drawing tool that draws fast and makes connections fast and is extremely flexible in that okay so when you're thinking of a CAD drawing versus something like Visio, CAD seems like the superior ultimate tool because it's got all the detail and the accuracy and the functionality and all that sort of stuff that is great but that's usually when you're at known problem world not as quick it can be we can argue about people getting really quick at doing these things but there's a fundamental thing that happens in the CAD program with connections and lines if I move if I put 10 shapes on a page and they're all intertwined and interconnected and I want to move a shape from top right to bottom right the connections don't just stick with each other and readjust you've got to kind of you draw them in you create the characteristics of all of them it doesn't have the smarts to do that whereas a program such as Visio does right you make connection points and they just stay and then they just try to figure out their way around it and you can quickly adjust the lines this is for when you have so many changes so quickly everything's changing you're not stuck with one thing so 
So more of a free form uh, uh, drawing program is useful for this kind of stuff. Okay, for these tools for problem solving. Um, usually with uh, your detail, like you, you, you're at conceptual design levels of thinking, not detailed design. You don't need the accuracy. In fact, it's slowing you down. Okay, because you don't care about five mil versus six mil, you care about where is this going? What is the shape? Can it even potentially fit? All right, so this is where you use Visio, learn to create connections, lines. Every object can have a connection point. You get the little X tool and you stick it on there so that object always has at this point the connection point. You draw lines to it. Anywhere you move the lines, they stay connected. Beautiful, okay? Make multiples of the objects, copy paste. What you do is you press, um, uh, you select an object, you press control, you click it and you drag it anywhere. It makes a copy of that object to the new spot with all of its properties. Hold down shift and it aligns its X or Y axes, which is awesome. And you can make rows of stuff, bang, 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 bang. And all the properties of all the connections sticks with the object. Okay, so you can make a really complex object with certain connection points, chuck it on. So you're building on top of concepts. You build a square. Okay, let's go with the network. You, we're going with a network diagram. You build a square. That's your server. You build a tiny square because he's uh, to, to represent an ethernet port and another tiny square to represent a second ethernet port because you got two ports to your one object, your one server. Cool, cool, cool. Adjust all that. Create connection points within those little boxes. Group the whole lot and you've got a server. Every time you need a server, bang, copy that, and then it can connect to other devices easily. Okay, quick concepts. Like, if, you, if you're thinking this, if you're trying to map out connections, this is how you do it. You get on your thing, you get on Visio, you make all the drawings, you make all the devices, you make all the connections that you think should exist, and see how that fits. Quick concepts okay that's where your mindset needs to go quick concepts and put it up there it's kind of like um, you chuck some stuff onto the wall and see what sticks it's basically that because you can take a whole copy of all of those ideas then delete one object and switch it all and shuffle it all shuffle it all excellent so I'm going to take a step further and talk about a specific drawing uh, type of drawing to help you figure things out um, and it's called a swim, swim, S-W-I-M, swim lane, slash activity diagram. Okay, you can Google this um, and get an idea of what it looks like and that it exists and I'm not just taking you on a, on a wild fish hunt. <clears throat> so, you imagine, um, and we're gonna start with a system. Uh, we're gonna start with a web form. That's probably the easiest example of where this works. And then we are gonna take an example of a car or something like that and, and chuck it into the same thing. Uh, so, swimlane diagram. So we're gonna go with, you have a website. Um, person ha it has two, f two fields, username, password. Username, password, someone, user comes in types into those fields, hit submit, uh, hits login, and it's taken to a new page on success and a fail if they didn't log in correctly. Okay, the form goes back, has some code that does that thinking like, hey, check if this guy's legit, if he got it right, got his password and username correct. And then it makes queries to the database 
It's a database with a bunch of users and names and passwords that it can authenticate. And then it comes back, says all good. Then the logic goes, hey, since this guy's all good and his name is this, we're gonna open up this web page. Sends back a web page, you've logged in. That's an easy enough example. <clears throat> so the reason why this tool is cool is because it's it's user action centric. Like this is the place where inputs to my system occur. Okay, my system, my solution, whatever it is. So for the website, you're gonna have three lanes. Okay, you have in the first lane, the web page. So the web front, that's where the user interaction happens from the very left. Then in the middle column, okay, middle lane, you're gonna have your business logic, your, your software, okay? That's the in-between code and he sits in there and he will service the requests and either bring up a new page or talk to the database when he needs to. And on the right column, so this is three columns, on the right column is the database uh, column, the database lane where he sits, uh, sits, sits, where he sits. Um, and he basically is a database where you can make queries and he's a store of data and he'll return the results of your query. Okay, so free swim lane. Now, when you log in, okay, user receives a form. The form has two, uh, two fields, one called username, one called password. He inputs data, so step one, input data to form, input, um, which is those two data. User presses submit, that's a user action. The user is kind of outside of the, of the lanes and he interacts with the first swim lane, which is the form when he hits submit. So he's typed in the password and stuff and he hits the button submit. Bang, what does that do? So from the form, he has an arrow connection point to the middle lane, to the business logic lane. And in the business logic lane, he receives the command of uh, check uh, uh, user logs in, user login. Then from there, what's your next step in your user login process? Uh, query the database, okay? Query the database, another connection to the database for, is there this user? Bang, writes that query. Then there's another line to the right that goes to the database. Database thinks he will return his result and he'll draw an arrow back. So there's thinking time for the query to execute. Okay, and you draw a gray bar that goes downwards. So you've got the time there. And he has a line back and he will return back a result or not. Either it's a username that matches, it's a yes, or no username at all, and that means nothing matches. So business logic with this information makes a decision. So he's gonna line back to him. Now he makes a decision, gray bar goes down, there's a uh, next step, and he says, was that correct? Like, uh, was there a match? If yes, uh, I'm gonna do my next step, which is check the password for that username. And if no, I'm going to return to the user form, to the user saying um, incorrect username. This is why a form will return the username faster than if you logged in and logging in has some thinking behind it because it if you follow this diagram, it passes down um, and you can see where the points that the system actually goes back to the user form, to the user with some feedback. Okay. From there, you repeat that for the password. So say, so one will be wrong password. Hey, mister, you've, you've got your password. Planky McPlankton, you've entered your password wrong. Oh, you have no matching username. We're forgetting security here for now. Enter wrong username, he can try again. 
Um, but let's continue the process. Let's say your username's correct, then there's another call back from Business Logic, the middle lane, to the right lane, to the database saying, okay, is this the correct password? Sends in the password. The uh, database returns the true or false. Um, and the middle logic goes, hey, since that was true and it matches, I will return Mr. Planky the web page he wanted. And because it wasn't, or because he didn't enter it correctly, I'll just tell Mr. Planky that his uh, password was incorrect. Bang, password failed, try again. So now I've got two form feedbacks. And each of those feedbacks gives it back to the user and the user is up, it's up to the user what they do from there. Cool, that's a swim, uh, swim lane slash activity diagram. It gives you where the user inputs, where it goes through in the systems, when does the data travel, when, like, when's the onus of the process moved between your major players, okay? And then where are the times that the user, what are the times that the user needs to um, provide uh, input? Or when do they receive feedback? Now from a user, now, okay, before I jump quickly, that's your diagram and that's the tool. Okay, now obviously via, via voice, it's not the clearest of what this thing looks like or what it does. Best thing I could tell you are those kind of columns and each step, you have each steps going down. So it should, you kind of get this snake, you know, this, uh, you know, the game snake where you're like, when you've got a really long snake, it's going down, across, down, back, down, across this, you know, this shit square wave looking thing. It should kind of look like that. Now, <clears throat> You've gone through your process, you've figured out everything. Where, do, where, do, How do I use this to start troubleshooting? The first thing is, from a user perspective, UI and UX, well, mostly UX perspective, but anyways, you can understand when your user types in an input and when he should reasonably accept, expect an, uh, a feedback. Maybe you need more, maybe other steps need further feedbacks back if they take quite some time. Um, and you start figuring out your user experience there. Where are the points that the user enters data? And remember when I was talking about minimalist design in, I think, revision 12? 12 or 13, the UX episode. You need to go, uh, you need to go as minimal as possible on your interfaces in what you're showing your user. You wanna show them the thing that they actually need to do next, and that's front and center. And what you do is, once you've figured out your little website or whatever, each point that there is the input slash feedback rotation, each one of those needs a focus and almost nothing else. This is how you start understanding, okay, these are the pain points. These are the points that I need to bring forward. All my UIs need to be built around these points and everything else happens in the background. Next thing you can do is you can measure the time it will take to go from input to expected result. Because what we know, okay, as a user, it's infuriating when you have one second of delay from the result you, you wanted. As a designer, you're like, you know where, I, how much logic's happening here, what queries, and this is happening over the internet, and a protocol that splits up your question to thousands of routes around the world, and you want it in less than a second. Anyway, let's bring it back. So 
now you can all of a sudden you can figure out how long does it take to go from user input to feedback and then you can even think bigger you can because you extended the swim activity diagram how many actual steps from a user perspective does it take to acquire x piece of information if your website's about if your website is literally a calculator and then go to login hit go um, get their password correct um, and then get taken to form finally get to put in their data one plus one equals submit it goes to another four da, 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 then it comes back effectively you've said they've put, they've put in user inputs like eight steps eight steps that tells you you need to get rid of your login process <laughs> or you need to optimize that or whatever it is okay okay not a very good example because the utility doesn't require a user but you get my drift you can start to quantify all your uh, user pain points the next thing that you can do is when things break down or your systems break down these get complicated you might have an eight lane swim diagram and there might be more than one user input that's like next 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 level um, you can then work out is it my code that's doing this inefficient if inefficiently and now you'll know where to put in measurements so where your processes are in the code you should put measurements and timestamp feedback so you can see where the inefficiencies are or it's the database it goes back to database that query is an inefficient query it's taken way too long or maybe your database is having other unrelated issues and is returning normal queries super slow you've spent all this time optimizing code when really you should be looking at the RAM in your database or the storage space or something silly like that so now for problem solving you have a place to understand a process you trigger a process you have a known uh, input and a known result and when that doesn't happen to a baseline time you start going okay where's that slowed down and you measure that it's really powerful and when you're talking about different uh, systems you need to really start doing this kind of thinking especially when you're working with multiple systems and other vendors and really map up where your processes go all right eventually uh, on sariadev.com on the blog i will post up a picture of a swim lane diagram um, to reflect kind of what we're talking about here to help you guys out or you can just look it up on google you'll find something <clears throat> now you have a tool that's awesome i know everything about my system i know every process I know where the, where, where the different parts of the system get executed. I know what my user feels and looks at and thinks. I can help my GUI design me simultaneously work, work out the efficiencies of my system and in parallel have a tool to kind of trace down troubleshooting steps or the related systems that could be impacting this process going faster or slower or stopping completely. Amazing, you've got a tool. Um, so this is just one uh, in a, in a, as time goes on I'll talk to you about other tools but you need to start doing this um, now obviously I've talked about a website and you can obviously um, extrapolate that to a full-on system but let's go to a product maybe let's like a car the user experience is like to enter a car user needs to open door right or pull handle or have key handle sit down what does he have adjust mirrors or do the mirrors automatically adjust you have seat settings now that automatically bring your seat does the user have to adjust seats how does he do that where are the controls where are the inputs to the system 
the knob is on the left, on the right. Pull up, down. How many angles do I have control of? Right, where are my indicators? I'm sitting in the car and I need to fill up fuel. What are my steps to open the fuel? The fuel cap. And you only know this from experience, from using a car, you start to sh check under your driver's side. Maybe there's a little knob or something with a symbol that looks like the, the uh, for the fuel cap. Um, but let's say my car, for example, as long as the car is unlocked, you can just go out there and go to the place where you need to the cap itself. Okay. To the cover. And the mechanism to open the cover is at the cover. You press the cover, it opens. Okay? The only reason why before you get out of a car to fill up fuel, to open your cover, you check and you scramble around for, I don't know, a little knob somewhere, is because you've had experience, you've been trained that way, you've thought that way your whole life. But when, when you're applying the user experience design that I've taught in these um, podcasts, you realize that where is the user going to be when he's asking the question, how do I open my fuel cap? He's going to be at the fuel cap. Okay. And so where do we put the function to open the fuel, the fuel cover right there where I already am. Boom. Press it. It opens. I'm a happy man. I don't need to go back, rummage around the car because that's intuitive. Go back to where the driving console is because that's what I'm doing to look for a knob. Or something mate and then when you get desperate you reach out for your car manual wow and then realize oh there's this little notch thing or you ask someone and you get experience from someone that says hey you should have like some sort of latch or lever to do this why that's just the way we've done it but why right so anyway that's one example of user experience design and someone someone okay this is i drive a uh, honda accord euro someone at honda thought this is a good idea to put it put the function where the user is already going to be at the one time it's gonna there is no case where you're inside the car and you want to pull the lever and then you have to get out afterwards anyways you could argue I'm already here at the car the car inputs are all in one place I'm the driver well, the driver's side has all car controls that's one way of looking at it that's cool or you could argue that back in the days people uh, at fuel pump stations there was a guy that went out and would fill it up for you. So you inside the car would go clink and open it for him and never leave your driver's side. This is also true. The whole point of user experience design is to think about the context in which you are using it. No guys coming up to fill your fuel now. Maybe if you're in the US, I've seen places like that, that's weird. <laughs> but in the context of where you of where the car is going to be used, that's where you design it for. Okay. And there's pros and cons. You can debate this for ages. If you want to debate it, okay, head over to the Facebook page, um, Engineer IRL, um, or hit us up on any of the social medias, SarioDev, uh, or head to SarioDev.com and spark up the conversation and let me know what you think. Um, but I'm going to wrap it up there. I hope today's episode has given you some value and some ways to think. And trust me, you should start using these styles of diagrams in general anything that has a process you can actually apply this uh, type of diagram you can deploy this tool and it will help you figure things out faster um, this is just one way uh, with that being said thanks for listening again if you if this has helped you share it with anyone subscribe if you can 
um, and let someone know. Maybe they're an aspiring engineer and don't realize that there's all these little uh, day-to-day stuff that engineers think about that could really solidify it for them or make it click. And if you've learned anything from this podcast, you know that it's all about getting a concept. Once you get a concept that enables so many things. um, And that's it. Thanks for listening.